Hey, David Wernsch here again. Thanks for joining me. This is the Authentic Dad Podcast where we inspire fathers to flourish in their relationships and be more connected and present parents and partners. Thank you so much. We have Ruth Lamberti today. Ruth has this very cool and also very needed company called Adult Prep. And it is what it says. She prepares kids, middle schoolers, high schoolers for adulting, whether it's finances, whether it's um, college, applying to college, money management. Um, Very cool. She provides coaching. She has classes. We talked to her, and um, I got a lot of it. So thanks for that. Stick around. Reach me further. Dot coach. F U R T H U R. Dot coach. That's uh, my website. Um, hit me up. Feedback. Thirty minute free uh, coaching discovery call. I'm on Instagram. Further underscore coaching. TikTok. Further coaching. And um, I hope everyone is safe and well and healthy. And we will see you on the other side. And I am here with Ruth Lombardi. She founded Adult Prep LLC, a hands-on education and coaching organization after nearly two decades of marketing, communications, and engagement work for various non-profit and for-profit entities. And now she guides teens and adults in the areas of personal development, school and career goals, executive functioning, life skills and leadership skills. She also volunteers with several community organizations where she helps shape programs for team building, community engagement, and self-focused goal setting. A certified life coach, Ruth received her BS from the University of Florida and has received numerous continuing education certificates in related fields. Uh, Hello. Hello. Thank you very much for for having me. Coming along. So I have known you for a long time. But when I heard about this business, adult prep, I thought it was very, very cool and very needed because we have probably a big vacuum in our schools about teaching what you are teaching. So tell me how you landed on adult prep and then we'll get more specific. Like, I love the idea. How did you come up with it? Uh, Well, thanks for having me. Um, Like you said, we've known each other a long time and I really can appreciate what you've Um, done with your career and your life and this step that you've taken and this wonderful podcast. So I appreciate you embarrassing me. (laughs) Maybe it's my job. Um, So my journey, I, as you said, I was in um, the nonprofit and for-profit world for about just shy of 20 years. And I loved the work that I did, especially my last 10 years in nonprofit work And I really wanted to ensure that I would continue to give back in my next adventure. Um, And I use that word specifically because that's how I want to think of life. I don't want to think of life. I don't want anyone to think of life as being stuck in any one particular role um, or any one particular job or any one particular location. Um, So for me, there was just something so special about giving back through that everyday work. So when I felt like it was time to move on to a new challenge, I thought long and hard about the population I wanted to work with. I had heard this wonderful speaker talk about um, financial literacy for people in their 20s and 30s who hadn't yet learned it. And my mind just went a little bit crazy thinking, why aren't we doing this earlier? What happened to home ec? What happened to learning how to spend our money 
properly, how many people really use calculus in the real world that we need to be teaching it in high school. Um, so it was important to me, you know, to pick a population that I'm particularly passionate about and young people um, is that population. So I started um, by creating these um, life skills classes. I streamlined them over a few years. Um, the three that I do most often right now are financial literacy, um, easing the transition from middle to high school, and managing the transition from high school to college. Um, and I've just found it to be so vital to the kids that I work with and I, I, and that's why I'm so grateful for people like you that can help me spread the word and help people to realize how important this foundation is for every young person. So the age range, let's say, is what, 15 to 18? Young, what are we the talking about? The classes are mainly 13 to 18. Um, 13 to 18. I start in middle school, um, and then my one-on-one -on -one coaching can be any age, any type mm -hmm. of person. Which is a particularly impactful age range, I would, I would think, 13 to 18. So financial literacy, like how did you learn financial literacy? From my father. Ah, so you were one of the lucky ones. Well, well to be quite honest, um, he had a lot of faults, and... Mm -hmm. Um, I can see that now as an adult. I can see a lot of things as an adult. And that's yeah. the part of the challenge with um, our young generation is that they don't want to learn from us. They don't think we know anything. And then you, and you realize how much, um, you know, those adults did know. Um, but what I did learn was how to manage money. And I started working at a very young age. I started babysitting when I was 12. And that was my spending money, right? I couldn't go beyond that. Um, and luckily, the one thing that he did do for me, which I really appreciated and I often talk about, is I was given a credit card at the age of 14. Wow. It was only to be used for back-to-school clothes. Uh, it had a budget on it. I think it might have been like $100 back then. Mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't go outside of that budget. And it's really taught me um, a lot about how to live within my means. And that's a big problem in today's American society is people living beyond their means and not sharing any of that with their children or with the world, right? Our pride is too big. And yeah. um, we don't want anybody to know if we are struggling a little bit um, or if we're puffing our chest out a little bit. Yeah. Or maybe a child sees their parents not living in their means, so they don't know any better. So someone comes in, and we, we'll talk about the other ones, but I, I'm really interested in the financial literacy and what kinds of issues besides, let's say, overspending or credit card debt, what kind of stuff are you seeing and how do you help them? Well, financial literacy is a group class. so. Mm -hmm set curriculum, um, but I do let the kids guide me with their questions. For the most part, they are very um, basic questions, and that's fine because I'm not a finance guru, right? I teach what I know for and what I know is needed for everyday life. So I get asked a lot about how taxes work. Mm -hmm. You go to fill out your first um, 
your forms for your first job, you don't know what to write down. You don't know what it means, what it's for, what social security is. Um, so we, we really do talk about the basics that these kids don't know. So that's from budgeting to taxes, how to open a bank account. Um, and as, as minute as the difference between a checking savings account, um, yeah. percentage rates and credit cards and what building credit looks like and why it's so important. So really practical things like how to open a bank account, but also sort of mindset, like what does credit mean? Why is it important? So it sounds like you have a nice combination of both. I do. And also it's, um, you know, it's bringing their real life situations into the classroom. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I get the question, for example, um, if I want a car when I turn 16, what do I need to do? Well, the answer is I don't know because that's up to you and your parents, but we can mm -hmm. talk about what that conversation looks like and what your parents might have in mind for um, goals for yourself before something like that can happen and how everything works in everything works together right you can't necessarily have one without the other and to be honest anybody that is in my class um, particularly with financial literacy is there because either they or their parents have realized this is something that they need yeah um, and unfortunately I don't necessarily reach those people that are not in that situation because they don't, they're not looking for my help, right? They might unfortunately be passing down those bad habits to, yeah. to their kids. Yeah, you're probably preaching to the choir, but it's, <laughs> it's super important that you exist. So if someone listening to this, maybe a dad, and is struggling to say like, how do I get my kids to, let's say value money, or maybe even more specifically, like what age should I, you know, it's very general, I guess it depends on the kid. What age should I give my kid a credit card? Um, like what general advice can you give someone, let's say broadly about a 15 year old and how to kind of help them get on the right path? So generally 15 is too late. Oh, okay. If, you come, if you've come to me, then you're, then you're a little bit behind the ball and that's mm -hmm. not, um, not judging. It's really mm -hmm. difficult. There's a lot of things to teach your children, right? But you want to start as early as possible because if coming to me at 15, needing to know what a bank account is and how it works, you know, I'm going to catch them up to speed, but as early as you can start with all of these things, the better, you know, when a child is even as young as three or four, most financial experts will say, start with a piggy bank. Oh, wow. Three or four. Money. Yeah. Show them actual money and how it works. And don't use your credit card for everything because if you're taking out a piece of plastic at the store and that's all your child sees, they don't necessarily see the value behind the money that you've brought in and the money that's going out. And secondly, it's to be honest with them mm. about your own situation, why you learned the way you did, why you do what you do with your money, and also honest about your spending for them you're saving for them. Like, I realize that I can't buy you Uggs this year. I'm very sorry, but I'm really trying to put as much money into your college savings account as possible so that you can have a good education and not worry about paying back $100,000 in loans. The earlier that they can learn those things from you, their um, models, the better off they're gonna be. 
I'm going to ask you one more question about this and then we'll transition mm -hmm. into the transition. So chores, should a child be paid for chores like an allowance or should chores be something that, I know this is sort of a parenting question, but financially should, should allowance be given or should chores be built in as sort of the normal, why should I pay you for doing that? This has come up in my household and I think there's a little bit of a debate amongst parents on that one. There's a big debate and I can understand why. I see both sides to the coin, mm -hmm. right? Um, your children are part of this household and they right. do need to work towards um, keeping the household running. <clears throat> I think that that's very important. On the flip side, you also want them to learn that the work that they do has value. Their right. time has value, just like yours does. So my recommendation would be to have an age by which that allowance starts. Whether or not you connect it to chores, I think is a very personal decision. I do think that allowance in general, even if it's small, is a very good idea because it teaches kids that budgeting very early. If you get $20 a week and that's all you get, mm -hmm. you have to make that decision. Is that $20 a week gonna go into your savings account so you can buy those Uggs for yourself? Or um, are you going to spend it now and realize next week that you spent it on Chipotle and yep. no money this week to go to the movies with your friends because that's what they're all doing. Right. And, and maybe not micromanage that decision so they can learn. All right. It's gone. Yeah. You don't need that extra 20 from, from your dad's look behind your, your back um, all the time. Look, I mean. You got to do it sometimes and, and you got to love on your kids. And sometimes that is. Right. Uh, okay. So I love that. So allowance is important, whether or not it's connected to chores is a parental decision. I think that's a very good answer. Thank you for that. Um, let's transition to transitions. So some of the other things you mentioned was the transition to middle to high school, high school to college. What kinds of things are coming up in those classes that you, that you teach? Sure. So and the middle to high school and the high school to college are very different, as you could probably imagine. Yeah. The middle to high school deals a lot with social aspects. It deals a lot with the um, changing lifestyle, going from not a lot of homework to usually a lot of homework, going from a, um, a relationship with your parents where they're doing most of the work to very often starting your independence, right? Asking your parents for that independence and learning the ropes of high school. Um, throughout all my classes I have, and my coaching, I have a very solid theme of building independence. And for example, the middle to high school class um, talks a lot about, well, if you have anxiety about starting high school, which is very common, what can you do to alleviate that anxiety? from you, what can you do from within yourself? And I'm not a therapist, this is very different from therapy. It's always right. looking forward. It's always setting goals and moving forward, um, as you know. But um, they can be thinking about what they can be doing that's not relying on other people. For example, you're going to a new school. Can you ask that school if you can come during the summer and walk around, get used to the halls, get to know where your classes might be, find locker is outside of an orientation, right? What can you do? Can you sit down with someone who 
is at that school and ask the questions that you have of someone that's a year or two older than you yeah. and always being an adult. Um, the high school to college transition is concentrates all, very heavily on the non-academic side of college because concentrate on high school very heavily on the academics, right? The problem is that when these kids get to college, they don't know how to deal with the other side of life, especially if they're leaving home for the first time, they're going to a four-year school, and they're dealing with a lot outside of the actual classes, right? They're yeah. dealing with roommates for the first time, and the chores that come with roommates for the first time, the social aspects, the challenges, the peer pressure. Um, well, sometimes the freedom as exciting as that is, can be really counterproductive for certain personalities I've seen, like people I knew growing up, you would, you know, they go to their first year of college. I'm thinking of one person in particular and he just couldn't, couldn't handle it. Like he mm -hmm. went, this, this guy, he went crazy. He had like a nervous breakdown. He was partying and just, um, it's an extreme example, but I would imagine even the good things about college can be difficult. They can be, and especially with the levels of things like anxiety right now in kids and the um, what they feel like they have to live up to, right? My teens, my teen clients range, they have a huge range. Some of them have executive functioning challenges or ADHD. Um, some of them are almost on the opposite spectrum where they try too hard and they want to be on the top of every list and some are in between and all of those personalities have challenges once they leave home and those challenges don't stop throughout adulthood, right? You go to college, you get your first job, your first big relationship, eventually probably a marriage, maybe children, um, the, buying a house, the challenges don't stop. So for me, it's about um, helping them figure out for themselves so that it's coming from inside themselves how best to deal with those challenges, whether it's ahead of the game, whether it's in the middle of the game, or whether it's retrospectively. It's different yeah. for everybody. And when you get to school, like you said, that was an extreme example, but there's a lot of challenges that come with that that we are not preparing our kids for. We're just not. Yeah, I love that term, executive functioning. How would you, because I think that is required in, in all of these transitions, probably different than some of the emotional components. How would you define executive functioning and how do you cultivate it amongst the, um, the young ones? Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure many adults struggle with that as well. But, um, and then we can talk about question. even, we can even talk, talk about, they're probably go down the, you know, I'm sure you have people that have ADHD and, and that's like a different, challenge with executive functioning, I would think. Yeah, so one of my certifications is actually in ADHD and executive functioning challenges. They have a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. so with ADHD, the brain just functions differently. Yeah. And part of, part of all of those, part of any challenge in a family is for parents to understand what those challenges for their children are and how and if they can be overcome. Uh, with ADHD, it is built into our brains, um, right. and it's important for, you know, I have parents that run the spectrum. Some are, some are just, um, like, get over it, kid. Like, mm -hmm. 
right? Yeah. That's, that's not the best attitude to have. It's understandable coming from the older generation um, because we weren't necessarily as coddled. I, I, I mean, I don't know a lot about AD, ADHD, but I am told there is perhaps a part of the, the brain with people who have ADHD that, that doesn't have that same level of executive functioning than, let's say, someone who doesn't have ADHD. So that is a challenge that they're just born with. Correct. It's, it's an underdeveloped part of their brain. And while you can increase executive functioning skills with time and with practice, just like anything else, you can't necessarily change some of the aspects of how that person um, thinks, right? So with the executive functioning challenges, that really runs the gamut. It is, I describe executive functions as anything that runs our daily lives from time management to planning to um, communication um, and everybody kind of has different descriptions for it. The biggest, um, I think the biggest challenges I see the most in teenagers as far as executive functioning goes is um, communication and time management. It's those yeah. pieces, right? It's how do I learn how to get my essay done, finish the paper, study for the chemistry exam, all in the same time period. Mm -hmm. Maybe put down the damn phone. That's the answer. <laughs> Sometimes the answer, yeah. Sometimes the phone gets locked outside of the room that the child is working in. Sometimes that child needs to be working in a public space so that they can concentrate. Um, and very often, for me, planning comes into play a lot. Um, for example, my older clients, my older teen clients that I'm working with college pieces on, I'm not a college counselor. I'm not working with them necessarily specifically on their essay or how to get into the best yeah. college they want, right? But I am working with them on what you need to do junior year in order to prepare yourself for that application process because there are 500 steps. You need to figure out college what college you want to apply to, how many you want to apply to, yeah. what their requirements are. Like there's, and that learning that piece can be applied anywhere in your life. Right. It's, it's, it's the meta. It's how to I get to step one to step two. How do I organize? It's not right. You can write the essay, but how do I get to the place where I have time, energy, effort to write the essay? Yeah. Adulting. Mm -hmm. Hashtag adulting. And, I will say one of the things I do that if I could give a tip um, to your listeners, I, and I learned this from my marketing and communications background. Mm -hmm. I was um, a trafficker. <laughs> That's a bad word. Uh, a marketing <laughs> trafficker for several years at the beginning of my career. And what that is, is you're the person that, um, that makes sure the train is running, that everybody's doing their pieces to get to that, that piece to the printer on time or that email out on time with the, pieces in it that it needs to have. I always work backwards. So I just finished um, with a client who's starting her junior year and we worked over the summer together. And the last few sessions we had, we worked on her entire, her calendar for her entire junior year as it relates to applying for colleges. Wow. Because you have to visit the schools or now virtually visit the schools. There's just so many pieces. What you do is you work backwards. By when do you need to know what schools are you applying to, right? Mm -hmm. 
it's July 1st of next year so that you can start working on your applications. We're going to work backwards from there. Well, I love that you are working with the, the child. Um, we, I did my first podcast. We had this whole section about what's called over-functioning where the parent would do all the stuff the kid was supposed to do. And, you know, you're teaching and the, the, the child to do it. But do you also, for example, have any tips for what role, if any, because the people you're working with are still children. They still have parents. Like how active or what role do the parents have, should have? Do you work with that as well? Or you don't get yes. involved with us? Well, it, uh, <laughs> it depends. Um, what, what you've just described as over-functioning, I call uh, bulldozer parents. Mm-hmm. Are used to the helicopter parents. Not as many people are used to. The well, now, it's, now it's a drone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but they're clearing those obstacles out of the child's way before the child even knows that they exist. Right. And that yeah. is them a huge disservice. Absolutely. So as far as my communication with the parents, when I have, I make it extremely clear to the parents that the child is my client. The reason I do is because the child needs to have um, some skin in the game. They need to be there and they need to be able to articulate the things that they think are important, the things that they want to work on. That doesn't necessarily mean we won't work in what the parents want to work on. The parents are part of my exploratory session, which is the first session I have. And then they have the option with the client, with my my client, of being in every uh, four sessions or so, once a month with us with a check-in. But it's always driven by the client, by the child. If they want their parent to be there, if they want to take their own initiative in talking to the parent, if they want me to talk to the parent separately. It's all very individualized. I prefer that the parent be both, um, have their ears open, right. but a little bit sometimes they're, I hate to say this, their mouths closed a little bit because you, it's hard, it's very hard for a parent to not step in. And I get that, I understand it but you have to let your child go through the process a little bit on their own and figure out a little bit of the pieces on their own, whether they're working with me or, or your work, you as the parent are working with them on their own. You can't, they need to learn how to fall and pick themselves back up. Yeah. I was just going to say that learning how to fail, learning how to get frustrated, which is very hard sometimes for a parent. You want to take away that pain. Right. But you have to think about them failing forward, right? Right. you cannot feel the successes without the failures and fail doesn't necessarily mean flunk out of school. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be, you're, you're going to be terrible at, at what we're calling adulting, right? It just means that they've thrown something against the wall that didn't work. And that happens all the time in life. So let them figure it out. Let them try something new. Yeah, no, it's just, I'm just thinking about my own, you know, I'm a, a, an attorney as well, and I'm thinking about my law practice about, of course, there's practicing law, the content of what I'm doing, but so much of it is organization and management and time management and executive functioning. Um, I think so much of school, success of school, at least, at least when I went to school, seems to be that way and never taught. It's not taught. This is such a, such a beautiful vacuum that you're filling um, what, if any, 
let's say, do you have them read books or are there any, let's say, exercises, strategies, things, what kind of homework is given or like, what do you, besides talking and uh, what else are they doing to kind of- Lots of exercises and strategies at the end of, so my class, my classes are a little bit different. They're built as like a series of six. Um, And now of course we're all virtual, which they're all very used to, so it's fine. Um, But in the classes, for example, the homework, the assignments, I don't like to call it homework, usually is uh, related to what we talked about in that particular class. If it's a transitions um, class, it might be go have a conversation with your parents about X, right? Yeah. Oh, the wow. transitions to college class, it's the have the hard conversation. They need to talk to their parent, for example, about um, what college is gonna look like. Mm-hmm. Is college fund? What am I responsible for contributing to my college education financially? Do I need a loan and how will that work? And also, how are we going to communicate when I leave for school? Because it's important for you to have that conversation before you go to school so that you know that your parents are, for example, paying for school and they expect you to call them three days a week. And that's Mm -hmm. an expectation you need to fill if you want them to pay for your school. At the same time, they need to understand this new freedom of yours, right? And you would really like to not talk more than two times a week. So what compromise are you going to come to? Because life is about compromises. This is huge. I would, I call this setting context. You know, like we're going to talk three times a week. We are going to talk maybe on these days. And because if you don't have that, it's going to break down some, some way or another. If you, if you all don't have, if you're swimming in different water, let's say. So this seems like a huge, huge piece. Um, how um, what it, it sounds like i would think you mentioned like finding that person to get the tour of the school or doing an interview of, of a kid who goes to that college something like that is potentially out of these children's comfort zones right yeah how do, how do sure. you how do you sort of motivate a kid of a certain age to have that hard conversation or get out of that comfort zone because it could feel really vulnerable and you know it's we're not used to that is like emotionally, how do you work with that? Um, one step at a time, mm-hmm. just like with everything else. If um, if I'm working with um, a client or a teen in my class that is having difficulty having those conversations, the question is why? Mm-hmm. We need to talk about it. And hopefully I've gotten to the point with them that they're comfortable with me. I um, think that one of my strong suits in coaching and leadership of my courses is my empathy. Mm-hmm. I listen. I listen a lot. And um, that really goes a long way with teens yeah. to have someone that is an adult, but not acting in the same way as a parent or a teacher might right. um, in sort of demands, for lack of a better term. And I want them, um, I want them to feel confident. I want them to feel their independence starting to emerge, um, but that can only come from them. So it's building those relationships with them and taking it one step at a time. So how, if you're going, if you want to find someone that has, that goes to that school, how can you do that? Yeah. 
and and letting them lead the way, just like um, just like they'll need to do when they're on their own. Um, teaching them to think outside the box and with a little bit more strategy and purpose than just following instructions, um, following homework. And with you know one-on-one -on -one clients, they're coming up with their tasks on their own. They are with my help and my support figuring out what needs to come next. And if we meet again and they didn't get that done, the question is why? It's trial and error. Let's try yeah. it. What wow. else can so you you're do? I mean, you're really holding them accountable too. Yeah. Now, there's so much richness here because yeah, you're a coach, but it also sounds like you're a mentor um, and this third party mentor that, that isn't a parent. So they're going to respond to you differently. And if you're listening to them, they're really being seen and hopefully it's safe. And um, you're really trying to kind of cultivate not just these skills, but their best self, you know, do that on your own. And if you fall, what happened? How can we, and, and that's, that's really powful. I, are there any books or other resources that you'd recommend? Um, oh, there's so many books. So right, like, like, is there one that stands out like, wow, this one, if not, mm. you can. I, I have to say, I still really love, and it's, it's a little bit old, um, but there are different versions of it. Seven uh -huh. habits of highly effective people. Yeah. One for college students. Heavy. Yeah, it's um, it seems kind of trite at this point, and uh, sometimes you'll read a book and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know, but sometimes you have to read what you already know. You have to see it in front of you. You have to see an expert. Um, yeah, no, that I don't think so. or talk I, about I, it. I still see that one on all the recommended lists of, of all kinds of stuff. So no, I think it's still still pretty popular. Yeah, it's a classic. I mean, your your listeners can't see this, but there's a whole you know whole set of books behind me. Um, and I just love it. I love as, as we get older, I still love the tipping point, Malcolm Gladwell. Um, yeah. I think I steer clear of the, some of the books that are too specific, right? We look at, like you said, the overall person, the overall child. And unless you are dealing with something like ADHD, where of course you should read as much as you can and learn about the underlying issues. Um, really, I think grabbing little bits of uh, bits and pieces from different places and different people is what makes us who we are and how we function and how we talk to each other. Um, and that also shows through to your kids. If you're working on yourself and bettering um, yourself, which we should all be doing all the time, um, and working on your relationships, your marriage, if you're married, um, it shows um, to our kids that we right. know that these challenges continue throughout life and no, there's no stopping and, and resting on our yeah. laurels. Well, that's an important point. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. There's a whole system and it doesn't end. Hopefully can parents share their struggles in an appropriate way with their kids and let them know that we are always growing. Um, anything else that we, I mean, this could be many, many podcasts. <laughs> so we'll have to have you back because um, there's Anytime. so many, any, any rich, um, so many rich topics. The only thing oh, that I would, I there's anything that, like, yeah, that we didn't add and then we'll, we'll, we'll find out where we can find you, but what else, what else is important that we didn't talk about yet? I just think in speaking to your particular audience and, you know, it's as if I'm speaking to you, you're a dad and you're a great dad. Um, and I love that, um, 
society is starting to change the way it thinks about um, fathers and fathers' roles in our household. And I'm sure that most of your listeners are already um, more involved um, in their children's lives um, or wanting to be, and that's why they're here with you. And I think that that's just so important to both be and to show to your kids, right? Just that you're doing this and that they're important to you and that you're a part of the conversation. It's not just going to the mom for something. And, um, you know, in some households, I'm, I'm sure it's just going to the dad for something. Yeah. But that decisions like this are family-based, whether there's two parents or one, whether there's multiple kids or one, um, and that the most, the strongest that we can be and show to our kids, the stronger they'll, they'll become. And I, I just think that that's an important. Well said. And yeah, I think that's kind of the point that hopefully <laughs> if I'm doing, being the best I can be and, pay it forward to my children and their children and a hundred years from now, maybe there's a little guy who didn't, uh, has, has, a little, has it a little bit easier. And if we all did that, the world would be a better place. Yeah, that's a little corny, but I really believe it. <laughs> well, dads are nothing if not corny. Right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I am no exception. Um, where can people find you? Oh, Ruth and Bertie. Um, my website is adultprep.com. That's the best place to find me. Um, ask your questions. Look at our FAQs. If I can be of any help to anybody, any of your listeners or um, people they may know, I would love to connect. Coaching is in my blood now. I, yeah. I, I love it, and I love what it can do for people. Um, and I just appreciate your time and having me on and um, I can sense your passion around this, which is good. You're the real deal. I don't do the video, I post the video, but maybe I should start because I can see how much you lit up with some of these things. And thank you so much. So, I mean, this really, to say one more thing about why you're doing this, this really lights you up. You know? I can sense how passionate you are. Thank you. I, I think that everybody needs a little bit of support sometimes in their lives and you might have a great partner or a great parent or a great best friend, but that doesn't mean that they can um, support you in a way that lets you shine and lets you figure out what's next for you. Yeah. Important thing I think with coaching is that we are there to uh, show our clients what they can be, what they can bring to the table and make sure that they, their confidence starts to grow. It is a huge problem, um, especially with um, entrepreneurs and some of the other groups I work with that stems from often from childhood, which is why, you know, yeah. the, the span of ages is important for me um, to keep up to date on how every generation is feeling and, and doing with their lives. But we, get so much taken away from us and we get torn down so much in our lives that having someone that's got no vested interest in, uh, in your life other than to support you and what you want in your goals is le 
like nothing else. I mean, there's nothing else that exists like this. And many people don't know what coaching is or maybe thinks that it's, um, you know, frou-frou, meditative, and there's all different types of coaching. But the bottom line is coaches are here to help you figure out what your goals are, set them, and support you in reaching them. Yeah, I think we'll have you back and do a whole thing on confidence because I think that's a yeah. that's a big one too that we didn't talk a lot about. But yeah, no, if there's an issue or something going on in my household, just, just say, call Ruth. Here's a number. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm here. Call Ruth. I'm here. <laughs> no, ask Ruth. Please, that should be your please. word. Ask Ruth. Ask Ruth. I, Ruth. I, I should have been a doctor, right? I'll just take, take over the Dr. Ruth title. But I... <laughs> I don't know everything. And that's, that's very important for people to understand, right? right? I'm, I'm not here to figure it out for you. I'm right. here to help you figure out what works for your life. Right. You're here to facilitate what works best for you. So exactly. I love it. Thank you very much there, lady. And we will see you next, uh, hopefully coming back again. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. It. See ya. You. See you. Bye. There you have it. That's my conversation with Ruth Lamberti. Thank you so much for your time, Ruth. Very important stuff. She's feeling a real vacuum that we have in the schools. And we outsource everything else in our lives. Why not outsource a coach or send your kid to a class to help them manage their finances, do the transition from high school to college, and just overall adulting? I think it's a very cool idea, and I think it's needed. Thank you all. As always, consider subscribing, giving a five-star review. Why? Because uh, this really helps people find it. I love the people that we have listening. Thank you for doing that. I want to grow it. I want people to find it. I think it's an important message. Self-serving, of course, but I think it is. I hope you all are doing great, and thanks again. We'll see you next time.